Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About Earhopper Presents. Earhopper is a catch-all name for a lot of my music stuff, and it's the name of my RV, Bunny Earhopper. And today's guest is Jane Librock, and she and I had a long, uh, very enriching conversation about volume and content, content and volume. So even though I'm saying it's about volume, as a musician, uh, it tripped me up a little bit, but that we're talking about doing a lot of stuff, which if you've listened to this podcast before, or if this is your first time, this is kind of a podcast for people that do a lot of stuff. And uh, welcome, if you're a first-time listener. I would love you to subscribe at iTunes, Earhopper Presents. Give us a rating. I'd love more ratings. Who doesn't like appreciation? Lavish praise. Uh, I am doing the intro in Santa Barbara in a, uh, a hotel I discovered many years ago. Uh, well, not many years ago. A few years ago on a road trip to L.A. called Goodland. Uh, it's a Holiday Inn that they made kitschy. Uh, every time I stay here, I have a great time. They have great food, nice staff. Uh, I feel a little mad men. It's very kind of got that retro vibe. Uh, and people are looking at me because I'm sitting in my room with the curtain up recording this intro. Uh, a few things happened. If you listen to this podcast, my iPhone screen stopped working. Uh, the bottom half stopped working. My iPhone is paralyzed from the waist down. Now, I used a service called iCracked. I'd used them successfully before to replace my iPhone screen, and they did that for me this week, and then my phone stopped working. I don't want to totally blame them. I don't, but I'm pretty mad, and it didn't happen until after they put a new screen on it. So uh, just be, be careful out there, folks, with these electronics. We spend a lot of money and, and invest a lot of time in them. And then uh, for me, uh, you know, I'm sitting in a hotel room with a portable recording rig. And God bless America, I have an internet connection. I'm going to finish this podcast. I'm going to upload it to the sky. And then at some point, it's going to hit your ear holes. We live in a miracle age. And I do want to talk about my road trip down here. It was 105 degrees. One, zero, five. I'm in a convertible, a rented convertible, because I'm middle-aged. And this is what, uh, you know, people do, or at least used to do. Uh, I'm a little retro myself, so I'm enjoying this uh, trip. And I had the top down, and I, I had a hoodie on because it's hot. And that doesn't make sense. It goes from hot. It was going from hot to cold driving down from San Francisco. I put the hood up on the hoodie so I wouldn't get sunburned. And I got so hot, uh, and I didn't have any water because I'm not you know, I'm not used to being in hot conditions. And plus I thought, shit, I'm in a convertible. It'll be cool, right? Wrong. I had to pull over. I felt my heart palpitating. I basically felt like I was going to have heat stroke. It's true. I'll just say it. It was my, it was my zeitgeist people. So I pulled over and I put the top up on the brand new Buick convertible and I cranked the air conditioning and I say to myself, I have to get off at the next sign of civilization for some water. Well, as you know, the end of the story is I made it. I made it through. But it made me think about something a little bigger, and that is uh, the world is getting hotter. It's definitely getting hotter. There's no doubt it's getting hotter. Let me just say that again. The world is getting hotter. People that say it's not getting hotter, uh, you're wrong. It's getting hotter. 
And there probably are things we can do about it. I don't care where you stand politically. I don't care what facts you choose, choose or not choose to believe. Um, it's getting hot out there, folks. And uh, things like building walls, hey, uh, that's great. Because people are going to get so hot that they're going to start getting out of where it's hottest. Uh, I'm not saying we should build a wall, by the way. But I am saying we need to figure out uh, what we can do uh, as a species to mitigate this heat. Or else we're not going to be around. Um, I truly believe that. Uh, yeah, that's my rant. I'm in a convertible and I'm too hot in a convertible in California. It wasn't even in the desert. The, the ocean was right there. I was staring at the ocean. Anyway, Jane. Let me talk about Jane. Let me talk about this podcast. Jane is lovely. Jane is smart and uh, very creative. She's She's one of those people you meet and you just, hey, what's up? Tell me. And then she's got a ton of stuff she's going to tell you that she's doing. She's doing this thing called Content Queen, which is a throwback zine, which we talk about. Uh, I do talk about the tacos at Old Devil Moon, my new favorite bar. They have a pop-up on Wednesdays. Unfortunately, the footage uh, that I shot, which is in the trailer video, you can watch it at YouTube.com forward slash Earhopper, I think. I don't know that that's right, but it's Earhopper on YouTube. That footage was lost due to my iPhone debacle. Uh, so I do reference it in the podcast, but it doesn't exist any longer because I erased my iPhone like an idiot. Uh, I hope you're having a great day. I hope you celebrate and cherish, uh, your loved ones and yourself. And, uh, I am grateful that, uh, you're listening to this and without further ado here, here are Jane and myself talking at length in her apartment in the mission district about content and volume. Hello and welcome to Earhopper Presents. Let's talk about it. And I am here with my guest, Jane Librock. Yes. Hello. I'm very happy to be here. Hello. I'm, I'm so happy you're here. I'm actually happy to be here because we are in Jane's apartment. Uh, we shot some video footage. You can watch it on YouTube. Um, Jane and I met several years ago at a job, and uh, she is a fantastically, uh, she's all over the place with her creativity. Uh, but I, was really turned on to her. She had a blog, fashion blog, uh, called May I Admire You. And just talk about that. You don't really do it anymore. No, but not talk so about much. like what it is and then like maybe what the inspiration was behind it. Well, it is, I guess, because it still exists on the internet, mayadmarry.com. Uh, a blog that features people that I saw mainly at um, around 18th and Valencia. That's where I would post up. Right. Um, people who I saw and I thought, I really like what they're wearing. And I think that they're trying to say something with what clothing they're wearing. Got there's a, there's something there. A statement? A statement, yeah. Or more of like a fashion sense or? More of a statement. Okay. Like I didn't necessarily uh, photograph people that had quote unquote good fashion. It mm -hmm. was often like quite strange. Yeah. Um, but that's what I was interested in. And so I was basically curious, like I want to know more. And so I would, I would stop them. I would, sometimes I would run after them. That was frequent, but I would get their attention and ask if I could take their photo. And they pretty much always said yes, which was cool. Uh, and then after I took the photo, I would interview them and I would ask something to try to bring out, like, what is the meaning behind these clothes that you're wearing? Mm -hmm. I think the thing I admired the most, the thing I admired about you, mm, see what mm -hmm, I did there, mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. was to have the uh, the gumption to just walk up to a stranger. Was it hard at first? Was it something that you 
had to overcome like it was hard yeah i was i was very shy about it just because i felt like i had no legitimacy i right. i didn't know anything really about photography which was the you know sort of original impetus mm-hmm. and still don't um, but <laughs> that hasn't stopped me. So I felt like a little bit like a, a poser being like, Hey, can I take your photo? Yeah. Like they're probably thinking, Oh, it's going to be a really good photo. Actually it wasn't. Right. Um, did you get their information? I don't remember. Like, did um, you say you can check it out or like, how did yes. you broker that part of it? Yeah. So, I mean, I would learn their name and everything right away. And then a little bit about them. And I was always interested in if they had a blog or a creative project that I could see online. So I would find that out and I'd usually link to it from yeah. the post. Um, and then I would give them my card Cause what I, you know, I wanted them to feel that there was some legitimacy and the yeah. card helped a lot. Like I'll usually bet. people would give me sort of a weird look, you know, you want my photo, why? Yeah. And I'd be like for my fashion blog and then I'm handing them this beautiful card Yeah. and they'd be like, oh, okay. You know, and th- at that point they probably thought I had like thousands of followers, which right. is not true. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, there was one you, uh, you posted, I didn't look at it before I got here, by the way, this is just coming from memory. Yeah. And I remember thinking, uh, I would never have had the courage to go up to this person. I don't even remember who it was right now. <laughs> and I think that to me is what stuck with me is that I was, I, I was so, like into the fact that you weren't afraid to just talk to a stranger. Do you, mm-hmm. um, do you remember uh, someone we worked with, uh, Alexander Roche? Do oh, you yeah. Remember him? Oh, yeah. Because he did something similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it was around the same time period. Where today? He did that as an app, but at some point he was just, I think he was just talking to strangers and then he would oh, yeah, yeah, post yeah. about it. He's like, I just like a stranger a day or something. Yeah, yeah, I looked at that. And I feel like there's something so, um, it's so multifaceted. Because first of all, it's just, we don't do that enough, right? We don't like just start a random conversation. But also getting over that, like like you said, I'm still not a great photographer. Like it, it feels to me like there was probably a lot that you got out of doing it. Oh, I got lots out of it. Yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. And it would, it was, it was, would give me like a thrill, you know, each time I talk to someone, I feel like it's what like a hunter must feel like when they've, you know, shot a a beautiful animal. It's like, I got something really cool and I conquered my fear because there's the sort of the thrill of the chase and I did it, you know, and, and they were happy and I, and that made me happy. You know, people like it, you know, I'm complimenting them. I would always butter them up, you know, this big thing. uh, I'm admiring them. Did you ever have a bad like someone was like, get away from me. Like you're weird. I think the worst one was I accidentally stopped a celebrity. I just didn't know she was a celebrity. She wasn't a major celebrity. She was like, I think a folk singer. Mm-hmm. And so when I stopped her, she gave me this look like, eh, like, what do you want? Like, <laughs> you know, you're like one of my fans bothering me. I had no idea who she was. And then that was sort of irritating that I wasn't a fan bothering her. Oh. So I think she was sort of perturbed, but she did let me take her photo. Um, so that was fine. And we did an interview, so it was all good. Did you listen to her music? I think I did. Yeah. Was it any good? Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. Great. So you helped promote a quality musician. Yes, actually which that I appreciate. Yes. Oh, yes. Th- that post that I made definitely catapulted her to the next rung of her career. And what um not to move on from that a little bit, like you oh, so we ate some great tacos before this. They were really good. Uh if you watch the video, Old Devil Moon, um, my new favorite bar uh in San Francisco. Uh they have a pop-up on Wednesdays. You should check it out. Uh while we were there, you were telling me that you're doing a new zine. 90s style zine? Yes. I want to hear all about this. I would love to tell you about it. The zine is called Content Queen. Uh, It's uh, edited and written by my good friend, uh, Molly Jane Rosen Mariner and myself. Uh, And it came about because we were reminiscing about our favorite magazines from the 90s and how we grew up with YM Mm -hmm. and... uh, 
17. And then when we got into our twenties, it was all about New York magazine. Um, and there were all these really great formats in those magazines. So like New York magazine had the undulating curve of shifting expectations Mm -hmm. and, and the approval matrix. We both loved those, you know, 17 obviously had the quiz, Mm -hmm. the say anything about like most embarrassing moments. Um, Jane magazine was huge for both of us. Did you like it because it was your name? Oh yeah. That was, that was (laughs) definitely very important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and Jane had the make under, are you familiar with the make under? I don't remember. Yeah. I basically used to look at Jane. I was a, my roommate had, ah, Jane, had Jane. You were a cool dude. I, my roommate, this would have been 1990, whatever in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And I was living with a woman, uh, a friend of mine and she got Jane magazine and that was mm-hmm. why I read it. Cause I didn't read it. Like I wouldn't have sought it out, but I thought it was pretty rad. What did you learn from it? Um, I, I mean, it's weird to say. I, I was raised by my mom and two sisters. So I had a lot of female-like energy growing up. Um, and I think the reason I liked it was because it had, uh, as I recall, it had like a different angle on a lot of the stuff that was going on. Um, and this was like kind of before like the modern, I don't want to use the word feminism, but the modern like, uh, the way we were looking at things with a little less gender bias. I felt like Jane yes. was kind of flipping that script early on. Yeah, although but this is my perspective. I back trust then, yours. yeah, back then I think it was kind of ahead of the curve. Yeah. But if you read them now, which yeah. I have, because Molly bought like a whole year's worth of Jane back magazine, it is sexist. Oh, and yeah, I'll like bet. yeah, was it run by women? I think it was. Yeah, the, okay. yeah, there was a, a woman named Jane Pratt who right. started, right. and now she does something called Exo Jane. Okay. Um, yeah, but we were very influenced by that. The make under where they would take a woman on the street and see, this is something you wouldn't do today. Right. Today you wouldn't find a woman heavily made up on the street and be like, you know what? Let's we're going to fix off. you. Let's take your makeup off and make you look yeah. all natural. Yeah. Today, like the cool thing would be like, let's celebrate you and your love of wearing lots of makeup. That's right. cool. Right. Um, but back then it was like, no, there's a good way to be and it's to not wear too much makeup, but right. still plenty of makeup by our advertisers. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that um, there was, what was the other, there was another magazine you mentioned that I, well, New York, I still get. Oh yeah, I love New York. I get New York every week. I do the cross, I really, I read it from the back to the front. Uh So I read the approval matrix Mm -hmm. and then I do the, I try to do the crossword puzzle. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm I'm about 85% most weeks. Um, And I still love the writing in it. Yeah. Um, and, And do you, like, are you still like reading, like, are there other magazines like Jane now? Like, is there anything out that's in that vein or is Content Queen kind of gonna pick up the torch? Like, what's your thought? Yeah, I mean, you haven't, you haven't released an issue yet, so I have no... We're going to fill a major void, I would say. Yeah. Um, but it may be a void of nostalgia. Mm. Um, but, yeah, what do I... I feel like what I do now is I look at, um, you know, street fashion blogs. Yeah. Like that's what I like to look at. But I don't really feel a need for content about makeup. I feel like it just gets advertised to me, and that's mm. how I learn about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not a very good, yeah, like variety, like lifestyle dating thing mm-hmm. that I read. I guess Man Repeller might be similar. I don't know that one. I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, they have it's sort a great of a, name. Yeah, it is great. Yeah. And she's she's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. She's, she's interesting. I, I used to read Rookie, which was started by... A, a very young woman is a mix of fashion and sort of like advice for teen girls, Got which it. I love. I love anything related to teens. It's mm-hmm. very interesting to me. Yeah. So I read that similar ish, you know, kind of indie sort of like Jane. And these are all physical publications. No. Okay. Yeah. That's the thing. Okay. They're all like online. Cause I still love a physical publication. Well, then you would love our zine. So you're doing queen. a physical thing. Oh yeah. We're going to go print it at Kinko's on Sunday. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, how many, what's the initial run? 
I think it'll probably be about 200. Great. Yeah. How do I get one? Do I, can well, I sign can, up for a subscription? Um, we're not selling subscriptions yet. Actually, I don't think we could sell it at all because we're committing like huge amounts of copyright violations because the entire, <laughs> every single bit of thing in it is a ripoff. No, of course it's not. <laughs> Anyone that's listening to yes, this, it's a totally, it's, it's a satire. It fits under some statute. Yes, that's fair fine. use, fair, fair, fair use. use. Um, we're going to be giving it away at our lunch party, which cool. I'll invite you to. I would love to come to that lunch yeah. party. Mm-hmm. I would love to be there. So one of the things we were talking about, we always have to come up with a word. We were talking about the word volume, and we weren't thinking about, like, when you said volume, because I'm a musician, I'm working on a new record, I was thinking about, yeah, like like loudness. We're thinking about doing a lot of stuff, yeah. which is a kind of a common theme um, that I talk about a lot of my friends and and I say fellow makers because I, I kind of hate that word maker, but it fits because you're making shit. And mm-hmm. and and one of the things uh, that uh, that I I love about you is you do so much shit. And right before we turned the mics on, you said, oh, "I'm trying not to do so much. I'm trying to mm. narrow my focus." And I think uh, the first question is, "Why would you want to ever turn off the faucet?" <laughs> but also, the second reason is, "What? Um, what are? What's? Is there other stuff that like you feel like you're doing right now, and you need to focus? Like, anytime someone tells me they need to cut back, very unusual." Most people are like, how do you do so much? I want to do more. And to, to actually uh, talk Not to me. someone that's like, hold on, I need to pump the brakes a little bit. Not me. I just want to do less. Well, so <laughs> can we talk through that a little bit? Yeah. Like, well, Or is it more you want to do more focused work? Like what? Yes, it really is more focused work. It, it. And, and it's mainly around work, like my, my work job. Got it. Where I've had one job and I'm switching roles you know, same company, but new role. But that means that right now I'm doing my old job and my new job at the same time and trying to replace myself and trying to hire new people to work with me. Sure. So it's just a lot of things. And plus my new job, I don't really know how to do yet because I've never done it before. You're going to love it. So I think I will. So that's, (laughs) that's, uh, no, I was talking to my boss about it and we were talking about like, oh, it's kind of, you know, not the safe bet to necessarily switch right now after you've been in this career for a long time and do something entirely new that you have no right. experience in, you know, that's making it hard for yourself. And I was like, yep, that's what I do. Funny. Uh, so in the last uh, episode of my podcast, uh, I was talking with Nick, a friend of mine, and he, we were talking about the balance between, you know, being in this, like, we'll call it the full-time job world, uh, and kind of using that uh, in this sort of symbiotic way with the stuff you make, like Content Queen, as an mm-hmm. example. How, maybe talk me through a little bit about uh, how you've found that balance and how uh, your, your, I keep saying day job, how your day job helps like not only influence but inspire uh, the other stuff that you've done mm. and you're doing. Yes, yes. Well, the, the thing that comes to mind immediately is just very, uh, very basic, which is that um, I will print proofs of uh, the zine at my job. I love using the printer for personal mm-hmm. stuff. It's great. It's like 101 creative people do it. It's yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, and so that's the most immediate connection, although it is a little bit um, scary to think, like, have I just left a copy of myself sitting on the toilet <laughs> on the printer at work? Because one of our one of our features has photos of me sitting on the toilet. Um can't wait or can't not wait. What I mean is it? Uh, can't wait. No, you're it's you're gonna love it. Okay. It's very classy. I'm down. I'm it's down. very classy. Cla- it's more of a classy like uh, toilet uh, shot. Yeah, yeah. It's part of a, a feature on my morning routine. Got it. Yeah. Because I'm thinking of the candies ads with uh, oh, Jenny yeah. McCarthy. Yeah. Uh, I think that was the '90s as well. Yeah, different vibe. Okay. Different vibe. That was the first. 
good job, Jenny McCarthy and whoever, you know, art directed that Candy's ad because I still remembered it as soon as you mentioned <laughs> when someone says photo in the bathroom. That's what I think of. And now you're going to run out and buy yourself a new pair of candies. I, was, I miss my candies. <laughs> Um, okay, so that um, okay, that's one way. That's like, one way. Um, another way, I guess, would be that um, I mean, I think I think we decided to sort of go for this project because um, at that time I was sort of considering making this commitment to switch roles, and I had been in a research role, and I was wanting to move into like a content creator role and thinking sure. about our brand. Um, but I, you know, I was nervous about that. Yeah. So working on the zine, which is completely about making stuff up and being creative and and funny and entertaining. Yeah let me get into that mode and remind myself like, Oh yeah, like I can be creative and, and make, make stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think that's sort of doing the zine gave me more of the confidence to say like, yes, I am going to be this new, this new different type of version of myself in work. Love it. Yeah. What, um, how did you, were, were you both out one night? Like how did it, what, tell me a little bit about the, uh, the genesis of coming up with doing a zine. Uh, it's not too, uh, too exciting. I think that we were just emailing about something <laughs> like one of us sent each other, like a, an article in the format that we liked. And I think I emailed her and I was like, oh my gosh, like I would love to just see, wouldn't it be great if there were a magazine that were just those little bits of content yeah. from those magazines versus like who needs the feature, the interview, you know, all of that crap, yeah. like just, just those little things that take up about a quarter of the page or half a page that were just fun little games kind of. Yeah. 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 What, um, I'm thinking now about, uh, like I grew up with physical magazines. Uh, you did too. Mm -hmm, I did. Um, I, I, how do you think, uh, when you, when you view the world of like online, like, like paper or, uh, I don't know, pitchfork, I'm thinking of all the music ones, of course, like the online magazine, how, how, how do you see those two worlds like colliding? And here's where I'm coming from. I still get a pleasure out of reading cover to cover a magazine and it's done. Like, I feel like there's a sense of I'm finished with this. Mm. Whereas when I go to infinite scroll land, mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't inspire me in a way that I walk away being like, that was a great issue mm -hmm. or that was really well put together. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just curious. Like, yeah, I know someone I, making one now, like what your thoughts are. Yeah. I mean, actually I was talking about rookie earlier. That was something I really admired about rookie was they kind of took that, um, element of, print where it's like, okay, get ready for this issue. Get excited. It's coming out. We're marketing it. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's, it's launched and now it's in your mailbox. Cause they, I believe would show a screen that was a preview. It was like placeholders for like, which stories are going to come up here mm -hmm. later in the week. And I thought that was really cool. Oh, that's cool. So I feel like they really borrowed from print there. Um, but, um, for, yeah, I think here's where I'm, uh, I'm connecting this right now. Like that there was like something, uh, I'm going to maybe mispronounce this world, ephemeral. Uh -huh. There's something ephemeral yes. about a magazine, like a print magazine. Yeah. Uh, and collectible. Yeah. Uh, that almost to me feels the same way I feel like maybe people feel about Instagram stories. Hmm. Where it's this moment and you it's, it's, it's a start and an end mm -hmm. and it's finite. Mm -hmm. Whereas I can look up an article that was on the New York Times, in the New York Times, mm -hmm. you know, from 19 whenever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. I don't know where I'm going with this. No, I, I think I feel you. <laughs> do you know what it makes me think of, actually? Sorry, I'm like refusing to talk about no, print. No, it makes no. me think of the way people used to go to the movies, where if you wanted some entertainment and there yeah. wasn't television, you you know, this is your shot, right? You're right. going to go to this place. They are showing this one film this week. Yeah. And there's air conditioning in there, and you can sit in there, and you can watch this film. Yeah. And then if you want to see another movie, you know, if you want more entertainment, you can go watch that film again. But right. it's that one shot and you can't pause and right. you can't rewind. And I, 
I think that's what I think is cool yeah. about the kind of the, the nature of magazines you're talking about is like, you're going to have this single serving experience yeah. and then you're done. Like you don't get to have it again. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're talking about volume and I do feel like there's an incredible volume of content out there. And mm -hmm. even me, like, I think something, sometimes I have that moment where I'm like, do I even need to put this out in the world? Like, who, who am I doing this for? I mean, ultimately it's always me. I'm like, okay, I want it to be out there. And <laughs> You know, if four people listen to it or a hundred people listen, you know, mm -hmm. but I think about that idea of like, everyone's like, everyone's got a podcast. Not everyone has a zine, which is so interesting. And like, that's why I'm thinking about the idea of each one could be precious, you know, and mm -hmm. each one is uh, like you're saying, it's kind of like its own thing. And I feel that way too. Like when Netflix announced their stream streaming thing mm -hmm. and they were, they, what was the first one? Was it, um. Kevin Spacey one where they put them all out at once. Oh, House of Cards. Yeah. House of Cards. That changed our lives. Yeah. It was such, when I remember reading about it and being like, this will never work. Yeah. This is the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. And now it's like, that's what everyone expects. Mm -hmm. That they're able to uh, stop when they want, start when they want. But is that, you know, I think about Breaking Bad. Yeah. Like Breaking Bad, there was an episode would be on and then you'd have a whole week to think about it. Yeah. And talk about it. And like socialize about it. We don't need to do those things anymore. We don't need to talk, think, or socialize. Oh, we just need man. to consume. That scares me. Yeah. I feel like that's why content, it, it, I feel like it like it's harder and harder to find great stuff. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I do feel like that, but I thought I was just being a Grinch. Maybe not. I don't think so. Because <laughs> uh, I'm, I think I'm, I'd like to consider myself fairly aware. And it, as someone who came from like the music world and like, during the, the zeitgeist of indie indie albums versus like marketed major label records, I try really hard to spot stuff that looks cool and interesting, mm. no matter what the source mm. now. Mm -hmm. And I, I do find it harder and harder to do that. Hmm. Like, I think I almost feel more, I would feel more excited about something that feels uh, weird. Like if I think about like, I watch Bill Maher every week, mm -hmm. Bill Maher, he has a show, it's live and it's, uh, you know, it's week to week. So it's not like I can just watch all the Bill Maher stuff at once. I don't know if that's a great analogy though. Um, I don't know either. I'm talking too much. No, no. I, I like, I like listening to what you're saying and <laughs> I don't know if I'm saying no, it was, it was giving me a thought, which was like, I think there's, there's different types of volume. There's volume in terms of just overall content that you're consuming. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like what we have the option to do now that there is so much content is to consume a, a high volume of the same content, mm, right? Great. Like you can pick your content and then consume lots of it. Yeah. And that's what I tend to do. Like if I, I don't like that many podcasts, but if I find a podcast that I love, I will watch it beginning to end, like all of the old episodes yeah, and yeah, I'll yeah. just binge listen them while I do my laundry. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And also the cool thing about the podcast to jump on that is there is always a next one usually. Yeah. So you're, you're kind of catching up and then it's serialized after that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, which but, is interesting. But then there's the same thing with, um, I'm going to tell you one of my dirty secrets. Um, I am a huge fan of Netflix originals. Yeah. Love them. And I, I particularly love all the ones that they market to me that feature, again, the teens. I love to watch a Netflix original about the teens. Yeah. I love the high school drama, you know, oh, the prom, what's going to happen with it. Mm -hmm. I love it. And mm -hmm. I just, I, sometimes I think that there's an executive somewhere at Netflix that's like, okay, what does this, you know, 36 year old woman want to watch next about teens? Okay, yeah. let's, let's go. Let's, let's write this. Not to tie this all together. <laughs> did you read the New York magazine cover article 
uh, on Netflix. I did not. Oh, you have to read it. Okay. I'm sure it's online. Okay. And archived. <laughs> uh, but they talk all about that. Oh. Like they talk about, they have like this whole, as a researcher, I think you're going to really mm. like this. They have this whole new matrix of how they recommend shows to people. Uh-huh. And Again? Haven't they had a whole new matrix like 20 times? I mean, that's because, you know, they're... I think they're always trying to say they have the secret sauce. Well, right? I think they do. Sorry, please go clearly, on. No, I think they do too. And yeah. and I think it's funny to think about like when they said they, again, they said they were doing original stuff. I was like, come on. And all these, everyone's, everyone's now trying to run down that road, right? Yeah. Like every, <laughs> every company is trying to do original content now. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, my new life. Yeah. And it, I don't know, like, like I, do you, all right, cause you shoot, do you shoot film at all? Uh, not really. I'm trying to learn how. Yeah. I went to class last week. And that's what I was going to like. That's actually an amazing answer. Cause I was going to say the thing I feel great about is people do get into like the digital space so fast and some people, it kind of inspires them to slow it down to a different, like take it to a different, the same thing in a different medium. And Mm -hmm. I've, I've talked to more, like, I think about a lot of my friends who've bought like Hasselblads, Mm -hmm. you know, or, or, uh, old, um, older format the analog cameras. Mm-hmm. Do you think that maybe, um, do you think some of that is like why you wanted to do a physical magazine again? Like, I'm curious, I'm still trying to get at, like you said it was like a whim, but there's gotta be some bigger things that are there. Um, yeah. Well, I think there's actually something about a physical magazine that feels like a lot less big of a deal, right? Yeah. Because it's not online. And so no one's going to find it right. unless they have some connection to us. So who cares what's in there or whether it's good or not? Like it's very private. Yeah. So, and, and it's limited in volume, right? Right. So um, that makes me feel very low stakes. So yeah. I'm not scared, you know? Do you think, I'm going to, I'm going to make a, I'm just going to say something. Okay. Do you think maybe being in the space that you've been in uh, where everything's sort of measured all the time, uh, working in research, mm-hmm. do you think maybe the idea of doing something like this is a bit of like a rebellion against that? Because you Ooh. just said, who cares? I don't, you know, I don't know who all is going to read it. Like you're basically saying all the things that anyone in digital marketing would, would like shudder. Yeah. 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 No, I do think there is something there. And yeah, it makes me think of what we were saying earlier, mm-hmm. um, right after we ate our tacos about how, like when I was doing, uh, may I admire you for instance, like I wasn't, it was online, but I wasn't trying to grow it. Yeah. I didn't, I liked it when people said that they enjoyed it, but I didn't really care if it took off or was seen by lots of people. Mm -hmm. And I did feel like that was sort of rebellious because at the time I was working at Facebook where that was, that attitude was completely anathema to everything that we were doing and that everybody, you know, putting content onto Facebook was about. The whole point was for it to go viral and be seen by everybody. And everyone's talking about it and commenting on it. And it it did feel sort of freeing to be like, yeah, that's not my goal. I'm not trying to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking about this in the last episode where oftentimes people will say, uh, usually older people, they'll be like, do you feel bad you never made it? in music like as a musician uh-huh. do you feel bad you never made it wow and i'm always just like that's a very interesting question yeah because it's like okay what is making it right yeah but two it's almost like um i still make music yeah and you know i do so many things that bring me joy like whether i'm playing a show for five people or i'm making like you know 500 records or whatever it is so the idea that uh that you kind of get into these bigger things of how do you judge your own success um, the idea of doing something just to do it to me is a very like, um, I don't know. It's just like, it's like cooking, you know, mm-hmm. like you make a meal mm-hmm. and then you, you ingest that meal and then that's it. Yeah. Like, you know, 
Um, and then you move on and, and now it's time to do something new and there's a, there's a clean break. Yeah. I think that's important. Like it's been Great fun point. that we're working on issue one yeah. and we filled up the pages and that's it. And we just need to complete that. And we yeah. have all these ideas for issue two, but it's not time to do that. We get to take a break and then begin the cycle anew. That's awesome. Yeah. Were you ever a fan or aware of a uh, grand Royal magazine? No. Uh, the, the beastie boys camp oh. did this magazine in okay. the nineties. And it was, uh, it's actually amazing. If you ever, because it sounds like you're into this, like mm -hmm. if you can eBay or find a couple issues, uh, I think I actually still saved a couple. That's how great it was. Mm -hmm. But it was very much um, of its time against like corporate magazines. Okay. Um, you know, the the Rolling Stones and the Spins and like everything. And they, they never like announced like a schedule. I think they made like seven, I want to say, which just might be bullshit. And these things would come out and they would just, there was no arc that tied everything together. Um, but it was so enjoyable to read. And it was like, when you got one, you felt like it was this uh, sort of precious thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm kind of curious, like you're thinking about this magazine, like how many are you going to keep? Oh gosh, I hadn't <laughs> thought about that. Uh, maybe, I don't know, not too many, maybe just like a couple, yeah. one in a spare are you sure? Well, now you're making me, th what should I do? Like, I guess put one in a safety deposit box. I'm, I'm just curious. Uh, yeah. I hadn't thought about it. Are you going to keep a digital copy? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I we're probably not going to print anymore. You probably wouldn't need that, but it would still be cool to like, are you going to hand number them? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've done singles, like 45 records uh -huh. and I'll do like a hundred and I've and well, that's nice. You hand number them. That's it's nice. nice until you realize I still have sixty four left. Yeah. Like I, I, this was years ago before I was like when I was still trying to sell stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Know? No, I don't think we're gonna do that. Right. But we're gonna hand them out with love. Yeah. To individuals. Of course. I mean, we're sitting here. You have a, a heart on your jeans jacket. Yes. Which mm -hmm. is beautiful. Thank you. I noticed that earlier. I should. My boyfriend bought this for me in France. Oh, mm -hmm. I love stuff like that. Mm -hmm. We went to uh, Cabo uh, a couple years ago mm -hmm. in this place called Todo Santos. Are you familiar with? Nope. So Todo Santos, uh, I love telling people about this place. Yeah. It's about an hour and change north uh, on the other side. Like you fly into Cabo on one side of whatever, and then it's like an hour north on the other side. And um, it's just all artists like people that have moved there and we bought all these heart related things there's just so much like heart like that reminds me of we bought this thing that's like a hand it's like they took like a like a coffee can and then they cut it in half mm. and then they built like a heart inside it you know mm. what I mean and sold it it's like mm -hmm. a piece of art so anytime I see art stuff because I heart stuff excuse me like I get like that's like my thing I'm kind of obsessed with hearts. With hearts? Is, yeah. is your home just covered in hearts? Yeah, we have like, there's probably like six, probably six or seven pieces of art that are heart related. The way that I feel about Texas, you feel about hearts. Maybe. But I mean, isn't, I mean, isn't your heart still in Texas? Aww. Do you want to, you want to talk about, like, when did you move to California? I don't think I know that story. Yeah, well, it was not a straight line from Texas to California. You were in New York for a while. I was in New York. I went to grad school in Michigan. I lived in D.C. for a while. I was on the campaign train. Girl gets around. Obama. Yeah, I get all around. Um, and yeah, so I got here in summer of 2011. Okay. Yeah. And what, like, did you grow up in Texas, though? Yeah, I was born in Houston and grew up in Austin for got the most it. part. Yeah. So you were kind of in Austin before it was cool. 
Oh, definitely. That's, that is a very accurate description. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad I forgot about that um, because the pressure to get you a good taco would have been that much higher had I remembered yeah. your Austin roots. Yeah. What, um, thinking about your time there, like what uh, do you still like, have, does it have a place? I mean, you have all that Texas shit in the kitchen, so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I love. Is your family still there? Yeah, my parents are okay, there. So you get back. Yes. Yeah. Got it. And they still live in Austin, so uh, that's awesome. Um. Yeah, I uh, I think there's there's some irony in there, right? I have to be because we're all ironic these days. But um, I do like my Texas identity. Mm. Um, yeah, um, I don't think I'm necessarily that Texan mm-hmm. in ways that I understand. Maybe another Texan can point them out. Yeah. But I think Texas is cool. Yeah, I mean, if I think about it, you have a little swagger. You have a little Texas swagger. Oh, too. okay. A little bit. Cool. What? Um, I went there for the first time like '08 something like that. And I can't every time I go back cuz I was I was going every year there to go to South by oh, for yeah. a while. Yeah. The the growth there and uh-huh. I and I know everywhere is growing. But for some reason it you feel it more when you go to Austin. Yeah, especially if you go there during a gigantic festival. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there on and off, but like the last time I was there well, maybe it was two times ago. The cranes. Yeah. Just, it's like Crane City. Yeah, there's tons of buildings downtown. Down there used to be downtown was just dead. It was like, yeah, there was nothing there. There's no reason to be there at all. Unless you like were in the legislature. Yeah. There's a good barbecue joint downtown. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was good. I forget the name of it. I think but I know what you're talking about. It's like, right. It's like the next, there's like the bank of America building and it's like the next block down. I forget the name of it. Someone that I'm not going to this remember. would probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Anyway, long, long, that was a dumb, that was a dumb little segue. <laughs> That's fine. We're going to forget that happened. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, great food. Yes. Um, I have you like, uh, so speaking of heart, mm-hmm. uh, and you've lived all these places, um, mm-hmm. is there any place, uh, famous, a question I really like, is there any place that feels like this is, I'm the closest to hmm. like this place is me. Hmm. Well, um, I, so I'm torn between two places. I, I partially no, I'm just going to pick one. It's annoying to have two things. That's like it. Uh, I kind of want to say Houston. Mm. Um, and I said I was born there, but I also, I lived there until I was like 10 or 11. Got it. So uh, I think it really shaped me a lot. And it, it was definitely more stereotypically Texan than mm-hmm. Austin. And I, I think that being there in Houston really gave me just all these um, affinities I have that I can't shake, even though they run counter to sort of, you know, feminism or what have you, like, mm. or, or just sort of our modern, cool, detached San Francisco. Oh, give me lifestyle. some examples. Give me well, some examples. Oh, I, and this came up recently for me because I was in Raleigh, North Carolina, and okay. it brought back it, similar culturally somewhat to, to Texas. I just love it when people call me like uh deer or sweetie or honey, you ma'am, know, ma'am. or ma'am is fine. But I, I love it when just like, you know, someone checking me into a hotel just mm-hmm. like calls me sweetie. It's just that Southern just laying it on. There's you know? a weird like comfort to it. It's like a little, you get a little sigh in your head when someone says that. Like, I love oh, it. Sweetie. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. So I think, yeah, Houston gave that to me. And there's also uh, a real sort of like showiness and flashiness mm. in, in Houston mm-hmm. that um, I think I have a taste for. Mm. Um, Interesting. Like, uh, fashion wise, definitely fashion wise, like, you like know, the bigger pickup, <laughs> or like, actually I would love to own a pickup. A pickup? I haven't had a car Pickups in many are pretty years. Cool. Yeah, I would love to have a pickup. And especially the old I like the 70s Fords, like the F10s and then those are 
pretty rad. Yeah, I don't know what those are, but you would know one if you saw one because okay. they're so cool looking. Okay. There's uh, my friend just bought one and she's just well, she bought a Bronco, but still it's like a '68 and it's just got it's just adorable. It's like the lines are really like clean and crisp and the, the color is very muted. You Ooh. know, it's just like those early like '70s, late '60s, '70s pickups are mm. just. Mm-hmm. It's before they were all bells and whistles. You know, mm. it's just like and there is something about that that I like, which is like there's this kind of form and function happening. Mm-hmm. You know, because now you get in a pickup sometimes and it's it might as well be like an SUV inside. It's got four doors and yeah, too much comfort and leather luxury. seats. Yeah. And now you want a pickup that you had to put a blanket down on. Yes, because the springs are kind of starting to pop up. Yes, um, I like Houston as well. Uh-huh. Which it's interesting you say that uh we my niece lives there we went to Kima which was like it was down there's it's like a little there's like a Ferris wheel and like a little amusement park okay okay outside it was like uh I guess it would be like south east of Houston okay but the thing I kind of was shocked by was people seem a little more progressive there than I thought hmm um someone yeah. that lives there told me that there's like a lot of uh, there's pretty big gay community in Houston now mm-hmm. oh yeah. Yeah, um, yeah which I had no idea mm-hmm. um and and food. Can we talk about food in Texas? It's really good. Yeah. Like, are you food a, in Houston is really good. Yeah, I had one of the best steaks in my life in Houston. Yeah. Um, like you've lived a lot of places. Would you say that the food there is like kind of superior? Like, what what would be your food city? Because your heart, like the city where you feel like is yours, and the food city or some like my food city would probably be like Barcelona. Or Ooh. like Valencia, it would be like somewhere in Spain because it's mm. the best food I've had in my life. Um, but I wouldn't want to live there. So I'm yeah. just curious if you like all the places you've lived, if you or maybe been. That's an interesting question. Um, I, I mean, keep in when I was living in Houston, I was like a child who probably, yeah. you know, didn't want to eat that many things. Have you been back a lot like since you've left? Um, to Houston? Not really. Yeah. Um, like a few a few times. Um, have some family there. I think you should go back if you feel like it might be your place. All right, I mean, take a visit. Okay. Take a week. All right. I'll go. Do it. It's I mean, flights are pretty cheap there. Got to not going to lie. I went to Dallas recently. I had a good time there too, but I don't know if I if Dallas is my place. It's so big. Yeah. It's spread out. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not it's not quite as. But everyone is very polite. That's, that's there are good manners, I think, overall. Yeah. In Texas. Yeah. But yeah, what is what sorry, you asked me about my food home. Yeah, like where's your best food you've had of all the places? Maybe we should talk about that. Let me limit this because I, I, I said Barcelona, but I wouldn't live there. Uh, I feel uh, like I've had really good food in L.A. L.A. food scene's kicking now. Yeah. It's getting better. Yeah. Uh, I'll be there all next week. So Ooh. any recommendations? No, I, I, I will take them. I don't know anything. Right. Yeah. You don't write things down? No. How do you like, yeah, what's your like, <laughs> What? How, how, how does Jane like, you know, sit down and say, like, what's a weekend for you? Like, <laughs> oh boy. Like, like if you're like, you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. is it like Monday and you're like, I'm going to plan the week? Uh-huh. Or are you just kind of like, like winging it? Like, this give, is the part where you just insight. like, you invite me. Well, we're me. talking about volume. And, yeah, and, yeah. And life, I mean, to me, uh, at this stage of my life, like, I, I try to cut every, you know, time is important. Yeah. And I want to cut out all the stuff that I'm not going to get some sort of enrichment out of. Even okay. though there's stuff I don't like to do. I still do like work out. I hate to work out. Yeah. But I do it. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and I'm just curious, like how you, what's your, I mean, as a strategist, <laughs> as a researcher. Yeah. How do you do it for yourself? How do I, I don't do know it? why you're laughing. How I feel like I I'm asking you a really hard question here. Um, Have I touched some sort of nerve? Uh, no, I just feel like I'm, I'm a big time planner. 
you know, that's great. Yeah. Tell so me I more. can, I can talk, talk to you all about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I am a big to-do list person. What's your medium? So I made a switch. I used to just be a Google doc person mm-hmm. and I've started using Airtable. Tell us about Airtable. Tell Air- those of us in the room that mm-hmm. don't know what Airtable is, mm-hmm. which is me. Yes. Airtable is just sort of like Google sheets only you can do slightly cooler stuff with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found out about it because of this sort of trend in user research about how you should store your insights individually instead of in reports. And Airtable is really good for that. So I started using it to store research for work. And then I was like, "Hmm, maybe I can use this for my to-do list. Um, And yeah, now I have all these crazy facets of every to-do that I enter. Like, is it a small, medium, or large task? Is it um, like, uh, we? I don't know if this is a common thing, but we talk about like hole digging, which is just like, I got to get this done versus rocket science where you have to like think hard about it. Mm. So I have that facet. And then I have what project is it for? And then like, what priority is it? And then I just sort things all day. All day I'm sorting and I'm figuring out like, okay, what do I need to do next? What's... Sorry, go ahead. I was I do my personal stuff that way too. Yeah, I was gonna say, so what's the um what's your ratio between planning and doing? That's a good question. And sometimes I think that it is too high. I should be doing more than I'm planning. Because there is some sense of satisfaction in planning. Oh yeah. Me... I mean, who was it? Uh Gabe. Yes. Uh, who we both know. We know Gabe. He said that uh he told me one time that people are never happier than when they're planning a vacation. Yes, that's true. They're not hap- as happy even going or doing the vacation yeah, as they're no. when they're actually sitting down and planning it. Yeah, which is why it, it doesn't make sense, though, that so many people claim to be so happy when they travel without a plan because mm. people do talk about that. So where's their happiness? Are they just not enjoying anything? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. keeps me wondering. It's kind of like I think about when you get time back, like mm. when the plane is delayed by three hours. How is that getting time back? Well, like, Sorry. Maybe it's not getting time back. <laughs> it's it's unplanned time that okay. suddenly is handed to you yes. in the moment. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes I get a lot of great ideas during those moments because mm-hmm. I feel like I think it's the control factor is taken away from me. This is out of my hands. Yeah. So I have these three hours or whatever. Yeah. Like, what should I do? Yeah. Oh, my God. I can do anything. Uh-huh. I can read. I can write. I can listen to music. And what do you usually do? Uh, I usually, it's a good time to like pull out a pen. I always have like a Moleskine with me. Uh-huh. And I will do like planning. I'll, I'll use it to plan uh. something. <laughs> or I'll use it to like, you know, I'll use it to like uh, write like a checklist for something. Oh my God. I can't believe that's usually what I do. <laughs> it's so funny. In that time. And I think, it, I, what got you into research? Because that's the question I didn't ask. Oh, okay. But this all sorts, it fits together for me in my head right now. That's all that matters. Because people, I, I, I love talking to people like you. Like researchers, uh, when I do recruiting, mm-hmm. they're always my favorite conversations. Oh. They people, tend to be nice people. Well, I think they just make sense. Like, well, like I, I could say I can... to you, I could, I could stop you and be like, tell me what got you into research. You're like, okay, hold on. Okay. <laughs> but I'm curious, like you, I mean, clearly uh-huh. it's, it's defined a lot of uh, what's led you to this point in your life, so... Yeah, well, um, I didn't plan to go into it. Sure. I, I did decide I was going to go into user experience, and I, I got interested in it when I was on the Obama campaign, and their online tools were really interesting and obviously impactful. Mm-hmm. So I thought, hmm, there's something to this. I'd like to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I went back to school just figuring, like, oh, this will lead to some sort of job. I'll be, like, an information architect or something. That was the thing. What was, like, days. when you say you went back to school, like, what was, is there, what's the degree? Like, Yeah, what? I got my master's in information which is kind of interesting, but Got that's it. that's the degree that like a librarian gets. Oh, okay. So, it, but but I focus on HCI, so human computer interaction. Got it. So you know, smorgasbord of 
you know, uh, interaction design, research methods, psychology, uh, choice architecture, yeah. graphic design, a little bit of everything, yeah. project management. Yeah. yeah. What, um, like, what were you like when you were like in seventh, eighth grade? Like, <laughs> paint a picture of like, well, in seventh eighth grade, during that time period. Yeah, in seventh eighth grade, I had just recently moved from Houston to Austin, right? And in Houston, okay. Houston was sort of like a mean girls environment for me, where mm. I wasn't a mean girl; I was whatever the other people are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when we moved to Austin, I went to this sort of hippie school out in the hills, and it was Austin. I was like, "Whoa, there are people here I can be friends with who are into like theater and mm. music and writing." So you had and, a little more art coming at you when yeah. you moved to Austin. So that was awesome. Mm-hmm. So in seventh eighth grade, I was like all into being in plays and doing improv. I forgot that you had done some acting stuff. Yeah, I did acting in high school and then I did improv in college and a little bit here. And I'm trying to get another group started with some female friends of mine. We'll see if that happens. It's hard here. Like I've I've, uh, looked into doing improv stuff here because I've done improv and there's only like two places. Yeah. Like it's not... And it doesn't feel like fun. Forget the places. You yeah. don't need them. You just yeah. need you just need friends. Yeah, well, guess what? I have a bunch of scared friends. All my friends that may or may not listen to this podcast, you're all scared <laughs> to go do improv. Yes, you are. You should do improv with Greg. It'll yeah. be fun. It would be so much fun. Yeah. I mean, we improv all the time, you just don't know it. Exactly. So just open yourselves up a little bit. Exactly. Live a little bit with so, Greg. So okay, so you're doing you're you're introduced to art, and then yeah. at some point are you like feeling uh like, are you starting to say, okay, like, this is going to help. Like, I don't know. Just paint me a picture of, like, where you go with it. Like, you know what I mean? Like From seventh and eighth grade? I always feel like the formative years, I yeah. moved in third grade. And then by, like, from fifth, sixth, and seventh grade, like, if I look back, like, that's when I was, like, learning instruments mm-hmm. and, 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 and uh, like, writing for the school newspaper. Yeah. And all these things started to happen that I can, like, directly say, okay, here's the time period where this is the st- – I didn't get interested in shot puts. You know what I mean? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get interested in uh, in uh, in uh, like learning to fix engines or anything. Like yeah. some of my other friends. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I guess from there, I mean, I I always stuck with doing theater stuff, yeah. which I I don't think I, I'm not very good on stage or on camera or anything, but I enjoy making a production together. Yeah, that was exciting. Yeah. So I continued doing that, and in high school, you know, nobody really had enough time to supervise us. So we could just like write our own plays or we did all these um, Sam Shepard plays in this black box theater that my friend yeah. directed. Um, so we would, we would always be like making one of those. Yeah. My friend and I co-edited the newspaper. Again, nobody cared. We, right. nobody was thinking like we, we put out issues that like basically didn't mean anything except to us. They were, we just thought they were like funny inside jokes. Yeah. We could do whatever we wanted. It was very laissez-faire school. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that definitely was really fun. Um, what else was I doing? I mean, other than that, I was being a super big nerd. I was like, yeah. I worked really hard in school. I yeah. thought, like, I'm going to get into good college, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Are you an only child? Yes. I felt that. Mm. Felt How that. did you feel that? I don't know. No, you know. It. You're just not telling I, me. No, I, I think something like, may I admire you? I think an only child would do that. Oh, because it's like a solitary thing. Like, it's, hey, will you be my friend and talk to me? Yeah, that's a, that's a way to look at it. <laughs> I... I, I I would look at it more as like um, people that had siblings and close in age probably wouldn't give a shit to talk to other people, uh, you know, that are interesting. Um, I don't know. That was just I just had that feeling like it's talking to you now. Well, if you're it's if you try if you're trying to draw a line from like childhood to 
research somehow. Yeah. I think I think the reason that I was adaptable to be a researcher was that I was always just really sensitive. I, I'm like one of those people that's hypersensitive to like what people are thinking and feeling. And I'm always really trying to avoid making anybody feel bad. Sure. You know, I'm trying to say the thing that's going to make them feel good. Yeah. And I, I know people like to be listened to. So I like listening and yeah. making them feel good. So that's like what research is all about. And you have to be curious and I'm pretty curious. You are. You're a very curious person. Yeah. You're a good question asker. Oh, thanks. Um, so are you. Thank you. Have you taken the Enneagram? Oh, don't get me started. Are you I, a two? I believe I'm a four. I'm not supposed to ever guess. Why? I don't know. Kristen, that's against the Enneagram Kristen's values? Kristen's trained now. She does those trainings. <gasps> yeah. She's been doing them at Lyft. Oh, fun. Uh, I'm a seven. What does that mean? Uh, just the creative, go with the flow. Oh. Reframer. I'm a constant reframer. Okay. Everything's always positive. I flip stuff all that's the time. That's great. That sounds like it's you're like, great to be Oh, around. I got a cancer diagnosis? Cool. Can you give me a, like, how much longer do I have? Maybe I'll finally go to Paris. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That kind of shit. That's She cool. says it all the time. Like, we're not, you're not supposed to, there's like a whole thing where you're not supposed to like call people out, but she and I oh. do it all the time. I'll be like, stop being a three. <laughs> She'll be like, you're such a seven. I love that stuff. I love personality tests. Yeah. I've taken like every single one. Yeah. Are you, uh, what's your, uh, uh, Myers, Myers Briggs. Briggs? I'm an INTJ. I-N-T-J. I'm an E-N-F-P. Oh, that's So we're nice. probably opposites almost. If Basically. We, yeah. Yeah. What, um, how much bullshit do you think the Myers-Briggs is? I mean, I have to just default agree with everyone that says it's bullshit because they've read more about it than I have. And apparently that's just the party line is it's bullshit. It's never going to not be bullshit. But, you know, it's just sort of like a psychology, uh, you know, astrology. So I, what's your sign? <laughs> I'm a Sagittarius. <laughs> you know, it's just a framework for you to sort of make sense of yourself within. Yeah. And you're going to see some similarities. Um, and I think your brain is going to naturally find those similarities and then in some differences. And that just gives you a framework in which to think about yourself. And maybe that's helpful. Yeah. There's, there's some ways that I'm like the description in some ways that I'm not. Right. So. Okay, uh, I you know I feel like this is a good time. We're talking about like self and like how we got where we are. Yeah. What? Um. Why do you think so many people believe the bullshit going on that like our president's doing right now? Like, what's your theory on? What do you that? mean believe it? Like, there's people that are still reframing. Like, I even read today, like people are reframing like the words that came out of his mouth mm, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like literally the words mm-hmm. that came out of his mouth. I'm just curious your thoughts from like your perspective, especially because, hey, you worked in a in, in a political space for a little while. Yeah. Um, and plus, you you know, you just I mean, like you're the type of person I would like. I'm, I just would love to hear your thoughts. Because <laughs> I I like literally I am tuned out. Like I have to like. Yeah. I am like it's like the peanuts. Do you remember the peanuts cartoons? When the, <laughs> yeah, I'm just like I can't even watch it. I, yeah. Like, every, I read the, the headline and I'm like, don't want to know. Yeah. Like I'm in that level. Okay, so this is maybe a bit of a cop-out, but I feel like I I totally understand the question that you're asking, and there's a whole round of, of course, research that I've been wanting to do (laughs) to understand this better. Basically, ever since the election, I've had these books on my reading list. Like, I really want to... Uh, read Words That Work by Frank Luntz Mm -hmm. because it's all about like in politics how it's all about you pick these trigger words and then there are these associations people have um, and you just have to play off of that. Um, I really want to read what is it either entertaining or amusing ourselves to death, entertaining ourselves to death, I think about basically how the media, you know, political coverage has became entertainment long ago. And that's when we sort of just lost any semblance of real discourse that we had. So 
I guess I'm interested in that level of things. Um, and I guess the, the essence of what I interpret is like people are, people grow up with sets of values that then savvy politicians figure out how to play mm-hmm. upon and you they're plucking those strings in your little heart mm. and that's all you feel in here and mm-hmm. and it feels good to be understood by someone um and the, the it's not your rational brain right like our emotional yeah. brains are making all these decisions for us that's totally. what's happening in politics so yeah. i don't know it's nuts it's a nut, it's a yeah. nutty it's a nutty time right now it is now. very nutty yeah there's a part of me that kind of enjoys it I'm a little ah. bit of a I'm a little bit of an anarchist at ah, heart. Ah, so wait, were you ever on OkCupid? Yeah. Oh, I can talk about OkCupid. Okay. So do you remember? I had, a, I had good OkCupid experiences, by the way. Oh well, I love to talk about those. Okay. Do you remember the match question? Um, in a certain light, wouldn't nuclear war be kind of fun? And I answered yes. Absolutely yes. Yeah. I was a yes. Yeah, I was yeah. yes on that uh-huh. one. Did you write that one? Um, no. <laughs> I didn't write any questions. Yeah. Uh, Jane, Jane, Jane worked for a little while at OKCupid. I was, I was a summer uh, intern. Yeah, one summer. Yeah, I, I thought. I mean, when I, so when I got out here to California, I mean, I had done some online dating. I met my, I met my last wife online. <laughs> <laughs> my last wife, my first wife. Uh, I was married in, uh-huh. a, in another life, um, and we met online. Um, but I, I was kind of fascinated by the process. I think I was more fascinated by the actual process of online dating uh-huh. than I ever was in meeting somebody. Yeah. Like, it's almost like the planning versus the going on the vacation. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're looking at the profile and you're making up these stories in your head about what you have in common or what you're going to like about them. Yeah. And then, yeah, then you're on the date and it's terrible and boring and you wish that you had that time back. Yeah. yeah. And it, I think it's also like none of it prepares you to actually, like, I don't think, like, have a conversation with someone. It's like it's like someone's handing you uh, bullet points uh-huh. about them. Yeah. But there's nothing that says there's an interaction that's going to occur. Right. Right. Because wait, well, why not? I don't understand. Well, for example, like you're texting or messaging back and forth. Yeah. And then when you're actually sitting face to face with this person. Yeah. There's no there's nothing in that during that. Like maybe they give good message. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But nothing in that says that when you actually look them in the eye and start to speak to them, that right. anything's going to come back that's going to be meaningful. That's right. Yeah. Because you've never truly interacted before. You've right. just done these. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I mean, that's what we're looking Like Ultimately, I think that's what we're looking for. We're looking for something in the physical world, but it all exists in this other world that's. Yeah. And that's not to say it doesn't work because I do think it does work for some people. And like, yeah. I've met a lot of people, but. Well, and some people are better at it than others. Like, right. did you feel that you were good at the, the messaging thing? Yeah. 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 I felt like it was, um, I mean, uh, I have a friend right now who is on like four and we'll hang out and he hands me his phone and he wants me to write the messages, Mm -hmm. uh, which I take as a huge compliment Oh yeah, because a, uh, I'm not single, Mm -hmm. so it's fun. B, uh, it's fun to not give a shit Yeah, and C, he can always like step away from it for himself and be like, well, I didn't write that. Yeah. You know, and I've done some, I've, I've gone, I don't think he's ever had any, I think he went out with one woman that I, that I messaged. I'll have to ask him the next time I see him. That well, g- congratulations. Thanks. 
I think it is often better when your friend does for it. I know that some of them have played with these like social features or what have you. Yeah. This this reminds me of a game that my friend Annie and I used to play, mm-hmm. a Tinder game. I'd like to to teach it to you in case you ever find yourself tindering with or for someone else. It's <laughs> really ready. fun. Okay. I'm very excited. So you load up your little stack of people. Yeah. And you and your friend both, as soon as the next, in our case, like usually man, shows up the photo, first association that comes to mind you say, you give him a name and he's always something man. You fill in the blank. So you like, see a guy with sunglasses on and you're yeah. like, sunglasses man. And then, you know, you swipe and then like a man comes on on a boat and you're like, boat man. Okay. You know, and so you're trying to do it as fast as you can. And it's fun right. to see like, do you say different things or do you say the same thing? So you both say it at the same time? Yes. Try to say it at the same time. Okay. And then does that, if they, if you both say the same thing, you swipe right or? No, is there generally like a- you're just, you know, swiping how you would normally swipe. Got it. It's just more a way to kind of give it this air of levity and mm-hmm. fun. And it, 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 it's also sort of a way to make the constant repetitiveness of the types sure. of photos, you know, cause there's lots of boatman. Yeah. There's lots of, you know, um, weights man. There, there's a lot of, uh, white tech girls, uh, surrounded by young black African uh, yes, children. Yes. That. That's a classic shot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and it, and it gets really abstract too, because sometimes for whatever reason you see one of the photos come up and all you can think of is face man, <laughs> you know, or in the extreme man, 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 man. And you just know man, man, when you see him and man, man might be, that might be the ideal person right there. <laughs> it if might you're be. looking for a man, you're getting two in one man, 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 man. I yeah. like this game. I'm going to try it. Yeah, it's really time. fun. I uh, read that Facebook was rolling out a dating thing. Did you I heard read about that? that. Yeah, I didn't really learn about I it. Think it's though. a huge mistake. Why? Because I don't think anyone wants to go on Facebook to find a date that way. They used to want to do well, that. Well, I think. Okay, so here's my. Would you like? May I? May I? May I tell you my theory? Yes. I think LinkedIn is the best dating site. <gasps> Why? Number one, almost always one picture. Two, education. Three, how are they talking about themselves in a professional way, not uh-huh. trying to get a date? Uh. I think all those things, like, it, the pro- here's the biggest, the biggest barrier uh-huh. is you can't directly ask someone out on LinkedIn. And people, I have read stories of people trying to do that. What, in LinkedIn just pops up a thing that's like, sorry, you're not allowed to do this? No, what, what generally happens is people get offended because this, they're like, this isn't the place, uh-huh. you know? And yeah. I've, I've read stories of women that have had men ask uh-huh. them out on LinkedIn, always uh-huh. men asking women out, of course. Mm, but I think there's something to the LinkedIn thing. I think LinkedIn, and there, I think there was actually one of the dating apps was yes. tied to LinkedIn. The league, probably. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. There was one I used that was. At okay. first, it might not be anymore. It was a while ago. Bumble? No. Oh, Bumble? Bumble? I don't. I don't know. I don't remember what it connects to. They're they're all they're all one word, right? <sighs> what was the best part apps? about? Okay, did did you feel like because you worked at OkCupid? Okay yeah, you were better. You got better at OkCupid. Okay um, absolutely. Um, because uh, I actually did research on what makes people good at OkCupid, okay <laughs> so I just stole what I learned from them. Like I, great. you know, we were trying to get people to message each other more. And so I would go do this very risky ethnography that I shouldn't have been doing where I would like go to single men's homes and like have them teach me how they, it was stupid, how they okay cupid wow. It was a terrible summer. That summer, like every research appointment that I went on, people thought was actually a date. And every date that I went on, people thought was actually research. Cause mm, I was this, bummer. I was the summer okay cupid research. Like intern. any nefarious, like any, were you ever under uncomfortable? Like, <sighs> no, no. The worst thing that happened was I went out with a yoga instructor who didn't look like his photo. Well, I think going out with the yoga instructor, that should have been your first. 
<laughs> hey, I'd never done it. I thought I would try. Yeah, you got to try it. <laughs> you gotta try my, it. Can I tell my best OK Cupid story? Uh, I went out with someone and uh, it was in Oakland. I don't know why all in 2011, 2012, almost all my dates were in Oakland. Like huh? all the girls I ended up matching up with uh, mm. successfully. Probably because I just come from New York City. It's mm. a little grittier over in Oakland. Ooh, yeah. People had tattoos. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> um, not to say they didn't have them here. Anyway. I went out with this this woman and uh, it was it was weird, you know, and and we were drinking as you do uh, during that time, and uh, at some point she started uh, telling me I can't tell too much of the story because okay. you know this person probably lives here, but at some point she started telling me about um, uh, her former partner had been uh, had been shot in their apartment. Oh, and is describing the story to me, and in the midst of describing it to me, it's kind of becoming like a real story like it's a story not like it's what actually happened and uh. towards the end of it she was like and everyone thought I did it but I didn't do it she's like it was weird that everyone thought I did it and in that moment I was terrified I just had this moment where I'm like oh my god this woman has my she has my cell phone like text she's we've been texting it was just never saw her again yeah. but it was a crazy like two-hour date where I think I think I was out with someone that had killed like her partner it was, I mean, there were a lot more, there was a lot more to it. And it was like a known thing that happened in San Francisco that this person died. Oh, wow. So you would actually write about the story prior uh, to It happened her. like two or three years prior. Oh. So it was before I even moved here. But I did, I, I got on the, on the internet uh, afterward. And sure enough, I read, I read the whole story. That's scary. And this person was a part of it. I'm it glad you weren't just, her next victim. Oh, yeah. That was the roughest one. But what, a, I mean, it was a great story to walk away with. But. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. But it's like, there's no way to like... <laughs> You don't know. And you were sitting there going to people's homes. Yeah, that was really stupid. I didn't really understand what I was doing back at that point. But yeah, like I I did interviews with like this guy who got, had a really high response rate to his messages and like really yeah. high rate of people going out. And basically he had this like really interesting mixture, this combination. First, he had really good photos where he looked like just super fun and attractive. And then, but in his, in his uh, profile, he was alternately... Um, sort of self-congratulatory and self-deprecating. Mm. So he'd be like, oh my gosh, I have so much fun on the weekend to hang out with my friends, you know, but actually most of the time, you know, I'm at, I'm at home, like alone by myself reading books and writing poetry. Just, yeah, just like total, like yeah. swoony, swoony shit. Totally. Did you feel, and you met him? I met him, Did yeah. you feel like he was genuine in being that way or did you think he just was gaming that shit? Oh, it was completely a game. It was 100% a game. Yeah. So he got it. He had a system. Like he had a bar they always went to where the bartender like knew him yeah. and his dates and he would double book dates. Mm. So the first one didn't go well. He had a second one coming up. And if the first one did go well, he canceled the second one. I used to do that. No, Greg. <laughs> Kristen knows this whole story. So, but yeah, I was a, I, I did, I did a few triples too. What? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me your system. It Gosh. was easy. It was easy. Well, I had, so here's the system before I met anyone. Yeah. My system was I would message and I would say, let's meet for one drink. Yeah. If either one of us wants to offer a second drink, that means that person is having a good time. If the other person takes that drink, that means they're going to continue to have, we're going to, we both agree to that. If the other person declines, then the date is over. And that's one drink. That's it. And I would say all that up front. Uh -huh. And it, it worked almost like every time. Worked in what sense? Well, it would work in that. So I would, so I'd set up my, you know, I'd have my six and my eight. And then usually my 10 was like a second date, right? Because, uh -huh. okay. you know, you're going to want to get something that's for the end of the night. You want it to be like, 
You want it to be pretty like it's in, this is going to uh-huh. be good. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, if the, you know, especially the six, because the six you'd usually try to gain, line up as the, like the strongest one. Because uh-huh. if that went well, you could always cancel the eight. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. I, maybe maybe this is just common practice and I'm naive and I didn't know. I'm sure there's tons of hacks now. You know, I mean, it's probably all out there. But that was mine when Wait, I did, did you it. ever, did they ever run into each other? You know, like did the six ever run long and the eight shows up and it's like, uh. No, I always separate bars, separate oh, bars. Okay. I would never do the same bar. I don't okay. think I ever did that risk. I don't think. You're savvy. Knows. I had some, I had just a couple of years there where I was like into it. You can become sort of a professional dater. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. And then they just aren't, they never find that like happiness. You know, it's like, it's like planning all the time and not doing. Yes. You know? Yeah. I mean, I have friends that are, all they do is stare mm-hmm. and swipe. Yeah. And they don't like go out that much either. They're really? just constantly messaging. It's very discouraging. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, we both found people online. Yeah. Not my current person, but. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it works. I mean, it does work. At the end of the day, it's just a medium to meet somebody. So. Yeah. You can't put that much gravitas behind it. No, certainly no gravitas. I mean, I remember being at my first wedding and finally admitting that we had met online to mm-hmm. everyone there. And that was a bigger thing probably It back was then, huge. Right? Yeah, that was like 1998. Yeah, now it's was, just like what or, you did. Sorry, 2008. Jesus. <gasps> 2008. Okay. Right, that long ago. 10 years. Yeah. yeah, it was just like, it was still a stigma, you yeah. know, that we had met online. Yeah. But I had read this awesome article, and maybe, I'm sure you read it. It was in the New York Times some years ago, and it said that online dating is actually, the idea of meeting someone online is way closer to like arranged marriage, like a traditional way because all of the variables before you ever meet face to face, income, what you do for a living, age, weight, height, all these things uh, can be determined before you ever meet somebody. Yeah. It was a pretty interesting article. I'm sure it's still out there somewhere. And were they were they trying to claim that actually it is as effective? I, I forget where it went. Yeah. As, a, as a researcher, okay. I should have known better than I'd to like tell you this. I'd like you to repeat the whole article because, for me right I mean, now. just read this okay. from memory. <laughs> Again, it's out there. Yeah. <laughs> Because I think it's funny. I think it's the crucial difference to me is that with online dating, it's yourself still making the decision. Yeah. With arranged marriages, it's like your community, your family. Totally agree. And I think it it turns up totally differently. Like people yeah. have a really hard time. This is the research we're talking. Yeah. Really hard time uh, knowing what they want or what's what they're going to need or like um, or predicting that. So uh, presumably, other people should be able to be a little bit more objective. Yeah. They understand you. They've observed you, and they can make this more detached determination of what you really need. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I think in most situations, it's a little more financial than anything else. (laughs) Some families have made a deal. Yeah. Um, There's like a show now. I don't know. Do you watch the television at all? Um, Sometimes. I I don't think I saw a TV here. No, I don't have a TV, but I I have a laptop that'll show me moving pictures. Well, let me tell you, uh, I live in a household with cable. Oh, congratulations. uh, it's, It's interesting. It's the first time I've had it since I moved out here. Uh, and I am both appalled and fascinated by what's going on out there, but there's a show called like 90, 90, 90 day bride or something. But basically these two people supposedly meet and then they have to get married within like 90 days or something like okay. that. And it's, that's, that's the situation, but it's a little more, there's some randomness to it. I haven't watched it. But there's like there's tons of stuff like that. You got the Bachelor, yeah, the Bachelorette. Uh-huh. There's tons of entertainment uh, to find the the partner of yeah. your dreams type thing. Yeah, I, I just I find it kind of fascinating. 
Well, that's that's what we are fascinated by, right? Like we're not interested in the long-term story of attachment and relationship and making things work. We're we're interested in our society and like that exciting moment where you get together and then like, you know, roll credits. <laughs> how do you uh okay, let's just go with that for a minute. Okay. How, how do you how do you keep how do you keep that feeling going, you know, after <laughs> How do I keep the romance alive? So I, I've been with uh, Kristen for three three years and change, but I've known her for like eight years. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, how do you like how do you how do you like refresh on that? You know, how do you like keep it going? I, yeah. We book a lot of travel. Uh-huh. That's our big thing. Uh huh. We just get away. Well, um, we ha- something that we have in common that like is how really- long have you been together? Sorry, I didn't ask uh, that. Like two and a half years. Oh wow, or almost three years now. Okay, so we're about the same on that. Yeah, yeah, um, good length of time. Um, one thing we have in common is we really like this concept that we refer to as other worlds, mm-hmm. which I think is like part of the researcher and me, um, where we're just interested in exploring new things and having new experiences. So, yeah. like if there's like a class or a you know, we both really like. Um, I guess like art films mm-hmm. or or just art itself. Yeah. Um, new stuff to go see. Like we we enjoy that yeah. together. So I think that that you know keeps us interested and yeah. excited talking to each other. Um and like I think we're both sort of planners in a way. Like we do a lot of planning of our relationships. So we have actually like mm-hmm. a Google Doc Great. um where we talk. We have like rules of the road and so forth. Great. We actually are non-monogamous, so that got adds it. a lot of complication to yeah. things. You got to plan for all that. Yeah. So I guess that's one way to keep keep things alive. That's great. That's yes. great. That's a great way to keep things alive. It is. Yeah. We talk about that all the time because we are non-non-monogamous. Non-non-monogamous. Which got means it. we're monogamous. Okay. Got it. <laughs> got it. Got it. <laughs> And, and but it's one of those things we talk about. We're like, okay, so what if like that's the thing that we need to keep things going? What um, can I ask you some questions about? Sure. That? Yeah. So how do you like? Was that from day one, or was that something that you sort of evolved? That was to? from day one. Yeah, we both wanted to do that. Got it. Yeah. Got it. And have, is this your first one of those, or have you done nope. that before? Done it before. Okay. Didn't didn't do as good a job of it before. But, Ooh, tell me more. Well, I think like there's all this education now, you yeah. know, sort of, and I read a couple books that I didn't think were very good back mm-hmm. the other time I did it. Um, I, I think like at the time it just actually wasn't right for that relationship. Sure. So I think like we're my partner now, we're like a lot better at talking about it. I mean, the communication thing, I've never been able, like we talk about everything. Yeah. And um, there's like a certain, um, there's a certain part of that that is so, uh, it's just the core of our relationship that we can talk about everything. Yeah. I think I think if I have a fear, that would be the fear. The fear would be that something would happen that we couldn't talk about. Yeah. I fear that more. I think I fear that more than like either one of us like being with another person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I fear the fact that one of us, like for me, like I would be petrified that I would do something that I couldn't tell her about. Not that I could do something because that's actually pretty easy. Right. You know, like it's that is easy. As much as we all want to think that we have lofty goals, like it's pretty easy to get laid. You know, you can like you can be sitting <laughs> Speak at a, for yourself. Well, come on. <laughs> That's just a lie. Um, I think, you know, you could be somewhere with somebody and like have a moment and take that moment. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But yeah. I think it's more. And that was like when we first got together because we were friends for so long before that. Mm-hmm. Um, the deal was, OK, our rule is you can't do anything you can't tell the other person about. Uh-huh. And when you take it to that level, uh-huh. it kind of. It's 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 kind of like one of those like blanket statements 
that um, it fits into a lot of different things. Wow, you know? that's fascinating. It's like the honor system kind of. It or... is, and it's, there's been a few moments, uh, nothing sexual, uh-huh. um, but stuff's just happened that one of us hasn't told the other person. Uh-huh. It has caused problems. Yeah. And it's minor stuff, like after it's uncovered, after the reveal, yeah. it's like, why wouldn't you tell me that? Yeah. And then it's normally like, well, I didn't want to let you down, mm-hmm. or I didn't think you cared, dot, dot, dot. But mm-hmm. then it's like it causes these... So, I mean, I'm the, the idea of, like, having these rules, I think, is really important to staying mm-hmm. healthy and functional. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You just got to make a Google Doc, you know? It's all about Google. But wait, what G was... G-Suite has to be, you know... What was, <laughs> what was the other thing you mentioned earlier? Arrow what? Uh, oh, Air something? Um, Airtable. Airtable. Yeah. I want to check that one out. You should check it out. Yeah. yeah. It's fun times. What... Um, is there anything we didn't talk about as far as volume goes that we should discuss? Volume. Um... Do you think so? You kind of dodged this question. Oh, sorry. Sorry. No. Uh, I asked you why you had to do less stuff. Oh, yeah. And we, we kind of talked a bunch, but you never said, here is why. <laughs> well, the reason why is um, I tend to um, leave the best for last. You know, like I, whatever work is my most fun, sort of exciting work, mm-hmm. I will. I will tend to deprioritize that um, versus the work that feels sort of more like dutiful, like, oh, I need to get this done because this helps the rest of my team. So if I have too much work, Mm. that means that I just simply will not get around to doing the like exciting work that I want to push myself and, you know, learn how to do or sort of it's my idea and I'm proposing it. So that's why I need to get things off my plate that got it. And I'm not just obviously I'm overly conscientious person. Like I'm not just trying to push things off my plate willy nilly. I'm trying to get them off in a ordered way so that I can like focus on other stuff. Got it. Does that make sense that time? Did I dodge it again? No, you didn't. You actually answered it directly. (laughs) Okay. Well, I think before we kind of took it into this more uh, existential place, but this was like, you're talking, you're literally talking about like work stuff. Yeah. That was work stuff. That makes a lot, a lot of sense. So I started my own business recently Mm -hmm. and I have probably put out more content and stuff in the last like six weeks. Um, Not that I haven't done a lot, but like just the, in the time frame, because I think I feel there's two things. One, I do feel like I have like more freedom. Mm Mm-hmm. But there's another part of me that, like, I'm afraid it's going to go away. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, all of a sudden, I won't have time to do two podcasts in a week. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, so that you need to pump up the volume now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that that binge, the binge way yeah. sometimes of, of spewing out content for mm-hmm. me works really well. Mm-hmm. Because then at the very least, if I spend a month and I feel like I haven't created anything, mm-hmm. I can be like, hold on. yeah. Let me take an inventory of what I did like a month ago. Yeah. And I can be like, okay, I did this, 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 and this. Yeah, it feels good. It does. Yeah. Because you kind of need those, you need to see those dividends. Mm-hmm. If you, it's kind of like sometimes working out's a bad example because I need to do it like three times a week or else my brain goes crazy. Uh-huh. Right. But like if I think about uh, money, it's a great example. Like yeah. now that I have my own business, I don't have a steady paycheck. So I have to be more mindful about when I do have, when someone hands me some some amount of, of uh, U.S. currency uh-huh. uh, that helps me live, uh, I have to be more mindful about, like, letting it come out in dribs and drabs versus, uh, you know, flying to New Zealand or whatever. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. So I don't think the binge thing works in every Yes, aspect. binging with money doesn't always right. end well. Right. But I like I like it for for um, creative stuff. Yeah. You know, like, and I, do you, you know Everett, right? Yes. Yes. 
Yes, you know Everett. Um, he. I had to go uh, through my. I've, I know a few Everett's, oh, you know but few. I know which one you were talking. Wow, about. I only know the one. But that's all. I, <laughs> that's all I need. Uh, yeah, he, he really is enough. He's yeah, fine. He's fine. Yeah, yeah. he uh, he let me come visit him at his place of work, and I just kind of talked him up about new stuff I'm working on because yeah. I'm working on video stuff. And uh, he had what I thought was like really great sort of liberating advice, which was like, just make a bunch of stuff and make different kinds of things, yep. like make a small thing and then a big thing. And then yep. this, this feel and that feel and just experiment. Like he, he said something really, he was like, don't worry about it. Like you're not going to like ruin the brand. Right. Like one thing that you do. Right. And I was like, that's true. That's yeah. great. You know, so just, just doing lots of different things. Yeah. Agreed. hundred yeah. percent. I feel bad for people that like put all their ducks in like, or their eggs in one basket, you know, like, yeah. like I have friends, I have a, I have a friend who's been working on a book for like three years mm-hmm. and he just doesn't like, he doesn't want to let it go. You know, yeah. he combs it over. He had one editor and now he has a new editor and he's just afraid to like put it out there. I'm like, dude, the sooner you get this one done, you know, you'll get yeah. the next one done in like six weeks. Yeah. You know, but he's just, he's holding on to this thing and he's like, it has to be, uh, you know, and it's yeah. like the, the less you, the more you just do stuff, the more it doesn't matter. Yeah. And like, if something sucks and I, believe me, I've done a ton of stuff that sucks. <laughs> like I was talking about the podcast today. I'm like, you know, I've had a couple duds that I wasn't too into. Not this one. Though. Uh, oh, this one's great. Anytime, <laughs> dude, we're already at like an hour and 15 minutes. Oh my so gosh. I know it's, I know I'm, I'm enjoying it. Ooh, it's gold. It's podcast. It's a gold. good one. Yeah. It's a good one. It's, it's, uh, it's right up there with the Brian Singer one. So, Ooh. uh, <laughs> Brian, I really love talking to you. We should do it again. Um, <laughs> Uh, what was I saying? Yeah, I think like you, cause I think also you do that volume and then you get the perspective to know what's, what's like, something's going to lead you to do the next thing. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So I, I totally agree with that. When you put out something, you know, a podcast episode or a song or something yeah. and you're in, in retrospect, you're like, yeah, that was a stinker. Yeah. Like, what are your emotions about that? Like, do you sort of reject it and like push it out of the nest if it were like a duck or an egg or, mm-hmm. or do you still kind of love it? I, um, I'm going to borrow a phrase, uh, and I forget where I heard it, but it's that, uh, uh, I must've, that, that must've been the way I was thinking that day. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, that sounds like something someone would say in the South. Yeah. It's like, oh honey, you were thinking, that's the way you're thinking that day. It's kind of, you know what? <laughs> it made sense to me then. It, I listen to it now. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, and I think it's also by doing that, you learn, you know, oh, I'm not going to do it like that again. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm mixing this, I'm working on my first ever double LP record. Whoa. So it's like 20 some songs. Wow. Uh, I have a few collaborators as well, but I'm mixing, I do it all, most of it myself. And I've been just obsessed about bass drum sounds. So just this one thing that I'm just obsessing on. <laughs> and to the point where I'm like, I listen to Prince records, I'm listening to bass drums. Okay, wait, that's electronic. It's not acoustic. Okay, let me listen to a Fish record and hear how they, you know, I'm just like, I go down this little, little bitty road. And then at some point I'm like, hold on, let me listen to some other records I've done. How did Ooh. I do the bass drums? What was I thinking then? Like, I totally forget that, oh, shit, I've recorded bass drums for 20 years. You know what I mean? You're your own influence. And I, Well, I just want to hear, like, I, I, it seemed to make sense to me then. Like, let me hear what I did. And, yeah. and I listen to it now, and I'm like, shit, I would have done it different. So yeah. now I'm obsessed with the bass drum. Do you know huh. what I mean? Yeah. So at some point, you kind of focus on, even if it's like, you know, it's music and it's a song, there's different pieces that matter to me at different times uh, of my life, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? It's really weird to think about. That's a great question. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Do you cook? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, you have all the Texas stuff. Oh, yeah. That helps me cook a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I can do this and that. I can make good biscuits. Got it. Yeah. You're not like the person that like, I'm like, I'm going to make a big dinner tonight. No, I wouldn't say that's like one of my favorite things to do. Got it. I will do it. But yeah, yeah I'm not, I'm not like a, 
a wonderful chef de cuisine. Is there a reason he just doesn't like? I don't know know the time. Oh, that's a good one. People say that. That's what people say all the time. I know. I just uh, okay. I get it. You don't have the time, and it's it's fair because you can get food anywhere. Yeah. I think cooking resets me. Like I will just be like. In fact, I'll say to Kristen, like, we have to invite some people over, and she'll be like, "Why?" I'm like, "I got to cook for people," and it's a thing that I do. That will, especially like in a pro, like right now I'm in this process where I'm trying to finish something else. Uh-huh. I can sit down, plan a meal, yeah. know how many people, um, ask them all like dietary restrictions, you know, work within some parameters, yeah, and then know that like I'm these four or five hours are going to be from the time I'm making this thing to literally watching people and I get feedback in real time, huh. which I love. Yeah, that's now, beautiful. It's great. It's yeah. awesome. I just I had this conversation with someone the other day where cooking to me is a great like uh reset for creating because you get all the stuff you need and plus um you know even if it's bad people are gonna eat it <laughs> like <laughs> like sometimes i'll have people over because like once a month i try to have people over and i'll have people over and i'm watching their face while they're eating i'm just like i'm trying not to but i'm just like you know just kind of like eyeing them up a little bit and i try really hard not to say how is it uh-huh. I try really hard. Uh-huh. But at some point, I usually end up going, does it need anything? Aww. I just have to. I just have to. Or I'll have my own, like, like I'll take a bite of it, and I'll be like, shit, I should have done this. Oh. You know, it's it's up here. It's all up in oh. your head. But that's why I was curious, because, um, you know, people that make a lot of shit, a lot of them, I, I noticed they, like, tend to like to cook, too. I mean, I don't want to understate it too much. I, I, I will get into certain phases where, I like, if I have a, if I've been sort of stressed out and I have a weekend where I don't necessarily have a lot planned, I will sometimes just sort of be like a, I think I can be sort of a zombie cook. So some part of my brain will take over and I'm like, must go buy ingredients for like five different things and then try to like cook all of them all Mm. day. But Mm. I'm not like you, I don't have like a a plan and a social idea and entertaining. You do, you're much better at this than I am. I I don't know if it's better. I just do it. I mean, it's, I don't know. I like it. I Mm -hmm. think I like the feedback. Mm-hmm. I do like feedback. I think that's why I like playing live. That's why I like improv. Mm-hmm. I like things where it's like they're you're getting this thing immediately. Yeah. Um, and maybe that comes from, you know, having worked in tech where it's like every six months mm. someone's sitting down <laughs> and they're analyzing you and they don't remember anything from, but the last six minutes <laughs> and you're going to be judged on that. <laughs> and... Uh, how did you? What do you think about that? Because you went through performance it. performance review. Cycles? Yeah, I didn't want to say that, but sorry. No, it's okay. It's fresh in my mind. Yeah. Um. What did I feel about it? Well, you know, I already shared how I was like a nerdy person who's very school focused. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. part of it, I think, really vibes with part of me, not necessarily in a healthy way, mm-hmm. where I sort of like I need grades. You know, mm-hmm. I need I need to know how I did and I need to do well. Mm-hmm. So you know, like when I would get a really good performance review, that would definitely thrill me. And when I got a not so good one, that would definitely like mm-hmm. put me pretty down. Mm-hmm. Um, so it affected me a lot in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always thinking about like the ways in which it was sort of biased. It was sort of weird mm. how you get to choose the people to review you. And mm. there's this whole social aspect to it. They're your friends and I hate all of it. Stuff like that. So I hate all of it. yeah, I don't and I don't really know how to do it right either, though. Like it's nice to get feedback. Sh- yes, it's great to And get I love feedback. giving people feedback. Same. I love providing real-time feedback and mm-hmm. I especially love giving unsolicited compliments. Yep. Like I love that feeling when may I admire you may, exactly when you're, when you're working with someone and they're just doing something really great and like, they probably don't think it's great or yeah. like maybe other people aren't noticing. It's so fun to like say that to that person or like yeah. say it to them and their manager yeah. and just be like, they did this really great thing. Yeah. 
and it feels really good for you and then it's just win 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 I think it's weird because uh, there's so few people that are good at it. Like they don't know how to do it. It's they dread it. They have yeah. to do it for other people. They know it's coming at them. Yeah. It's just this whole set of anxiety that is uh, artificial in mm-hmm. some way. You know, I yeah. don't think it gets to. Uh, I don't think it gets to a point where you know if you're doing the job that they hired you to do or not. I think it comes. It comes with all these other things that that don't necessarily matter, like perceptions and, mm-hmm. and, um, recency bias, always oh, yeah. recency bias. Yeah. Or as you know, as well as I do, people will push on a project for six weeks and then they will spend the next six weeks, you know, not doing much, right. you know? And if those, if that project was at the beginning of that cycle, no one's going to remember. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I used to tell myself like, start taking notes. Um, and yeah. I would always forget. Yeah. Well, like, like you have time. Right. That's right. I, so every time I've started a job, um, I've kept a diary for like the first six months. Oh, cool. So every day I have these bullet points of what happened. And I did that for a couple of reasons. I did that because, uh, well, one, I was just learning people's names yeah. and like, you know, <laughs> taking notes on what's, what the fuck is going on here. Uh, but then after a while I was like, because I want to remember, you know, because at some point I always, I was like, I'm not even going to be taking these notes anymore. I want to remember what it felt like during that time period. Do you totally, know what I mean? Like totally. to have that. That feeling of uh, you kind of don't know what you're doing um, because I think having that feeling sometimes I do my best work. Yeah. I do my best work when I think I don't know what I'm doing. And that's probably my biggest problem with working in an office is people expect you to know what you're doing all the time. Yeah, they do. And I'm like, yeah. I do, but it's not my best work. Mm. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that's cool. It's so like, wait, this means you're never going to work in an office again or you're just going to, what, where are you going to work? I would not say that. I think I, uh, I think that that I do my best work, uh, come like diving into the pool and I don't even know the temperature of the water. Ooh. So I want to try to make sure that I'm like with the thing I'm doing now with like being a con- consultant, I hate that word too, mm. but it works. You know, you come in and you're just like, Okay. Yeah. What shit? It's improv. Like what uh-huh. shit needs fixed? How do you, how can I help? Yeah. And that's when my brain fires the fastest. And I am also can take information, step back from it with no bias. I don't know any of these people. Yeah. I don't know what you did last week. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know what this person thinks of your job because lots of times that's what you're dealing with. You're yeah. stepping into these, these hornet's nests of, of basically uh, gossip and uh, stereotype yeah. And well, this person screwed this up, so we're not going to let them do that again. And it's like you have, you know, I have none of that like stepping in. And I, it's new for me, uh, at least in the tech space. But it's that feeling I always have when I start a new job. And that's when I do my best work. So that's exciting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that sounds fun. And, and it's funny because you're talking about like you love the planning part. Um, I do, too. Yeah. I do like sitting down and figuring stuff out. But it's not exhilarating in the improv way. Right. You know, I mean, actually, I was I've been reading this really interesting book because, you know, I've been doing a documentary video stuff and somebody gave me the recommendation to read this book called Directing Actors. And they were like, this is for people in features, you know, doing narrative stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's also useful for just documentary subjects, real people talking about their real lives. Yeah. And there's so many interesting, so much interesting stuff in there. Yeah. Um, but one of the things was, um, you know, you can there's there's basically she's saying you should do lots and lots of preparation, like break down the script a million different ways, the character, like each line, like she really suggests just like going over and over the script Mm -hmm. so that 
once you're there with the actor directing them, mm -hmm. you can just be totally free and loose. Right. And I was like, oh yeah, that's really interesting how so much creative stuff, I feel like is that balance of tons of planning and yeah. preparation and being anal about things. Mm -hmm. But then it's also that you can be loose and make things up in the moment. Totally agree. So I think I have, I mean, probably everybody has both halves, but I, I guess I maybe think, not. Some I people. Think people like us think that. <laughs> Everybody's like me. Everybody's <laughs> only <you> child. <laughs> right. Well, I'm I'm the youngest, but also only because my closest is 14 years older. So Got I'm it. like youngest and only I have both. I think that there is something to thinking everyone can be creative like that, but a lot of people don't even they don't even get there. They don't even think that way. Mm. You know, they mm. they their planning is these are the clothes I'm going to put on today, and then I'm gonna get in my car and I'm gonna go to this place. And then around five o'clock, I'm going to leave. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they're not, it's not like wow, that. Wow, we're just better than that, aren't we? I, okay. <laughs> I don't, I try to stay away from the better or worse. Okay. Uh, and I grew up in Pennsylvania. And I, I grew up around a lot of, like, uh, people that were a little less educated. Okay. Than uh, you and I. Okay. Um, and the thing I always try, I always try to, like, I try to see the creative spark in everybody. You know, mm -hmm. maybe that's why I like to cook because I met a lot of people that had absolutely nothing exciting about them except they were amazing cooks, hmm. like moms, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, y'all, people that said y'all and yeah. honey and sweetie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would sit down at their table anytime and uh, it didn't mean that we could talk about anything outside the weather, but there was this creative thing where they could sit down and like make this thing that made me like that nourished me and made me happy and like made me feel comfortable. Yeah. And I do think that's there is even the biggest asshole in the world somewhere in there. I have to believe that there's something that they can make. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, totally. I have to. Yeah. Well, that's why you're a good recruiter because uh, you're finding that thing, right? I try. But, you know, sometimes you're polishing a turd, you know? Uh -huh, uh -huh. You're just polishing them up, getting them ready just for the like, interview, and you're like, oh, boy. Well, you know, the thing the thing I deal with the most now is, like, I don't think, like, someone's ha something's happening. Okay. And I'm like, this isn't working for me. Uh-huh. And But everyone else is like, oh, yeah, it's working. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I don't think it's working. <laughs> but I'm like, but it's it's your... You know, it's like, it sounds like you are thinking you're just not saying, well, I, I, here's my opinion. Okay. That's all I'm going to, I'm told, uh -huh. that's all I can give you. Right. Well, and that's what consulting is all about. That's the beauty true. of it. It's true. And that's why I'm, that's why I'm into it. Um, but it's funny you're talking about directing because yeah. I feel like when you're doing documentary stuff, it's, it's a whole different thing. I mean, it's kind of like the may I admire you thing. Yeah. You're kind of diving into this space that's uh, kind of unknown mm -hmm. with things and, and maybe people, because mm -hmm. I don't quite know what. We didn't really talk about I, it. I but. just like to make documentaries about plants. Got it. Silent, still plants. That's way easier. Yeah, no. It's, they it's, don't talk it's, back. Yeah, it's people. Got it. <laughs> so that's what I mean. Like, you're still dealing with this space of, like, kind of have to take what they're going to give you. Kind of. See, this is the weird thing. Yeah. Because I'm making um, a lot of stuff for marketing purposes. Yeah. So I'm actually having to sort of go counter to all of my impulses of what my old job was, which was research mm. where you're never supposed to ask a question that you really sort of know the answer to yeah. because what's the point. Yeah. And you're never supposed to lead people or try to bias right. them in any way. Right. But now that I'm making things where I do have a slant and I am trying to tell a certain story, yep. I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm still not trying to, you know, impose something on people, but I am definitely trying to guide them in a certain direction and try to see what they have to say about yeah. something. Yeah. 
And it feels really weird. It feels so yeah. weird. Well, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> you're probably going to do great because you're in an uncomfortable space. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't judge it, right? Like, okay. that's the hardest part. Like, what? well, it's like we were talking about the judgment piece, like judging yourself like, or just like in that, in that moment. Yeah. Like, it's like I said to you, like I shoot short video. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or like we're doing a podcast and we're not editing it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> what the heck? there's something way more, uh, I'm willing to accept like the flaws of it, you know, mm. cause it's just, I don't know. I don't want to. And that's the volume thing. Like you just, just do more stuff. The more time you're taking to do this one thing. Yeah. What other things are you missing out on? Uh-huh. Dot, dot, dot. You know? <laughs> I don't know. Should we end there? <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, thank you. This was great. <laughs> it was really fun. I feel like I learned some things from being interviewed by you. Actually. I, I, I learned some things about myself and you. Wow. Which is always <laughs> amazing. All right. So um, it's we're all going to look for uh-huh. Content Queen. Yeah. And we actually have a website. It's contentqueenzine.com. But I don't know why you would go there. But it exists. Well, I'll go there to see when the zine's coming out. Okay. Fair enough. Thank you, Jane. Yes. Thank you, Greg. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, listeners. Earhopper.com forward slash podcast. iTunes. YouTubes. SoundClouds. So many two-syllable technology companies. Products. Stay tuned for our next episode which hopefully will be out on a Tuesday soon. Let's talk about. Take it light.